Welcome to the second day of the National Council on U.S.-Arab Relations, uh, 29th uh, Annual Arab-U.S. Uh, Policymakers uh, Conference. Uh, as mentioned yesterday, we have these events annually. It's the only one in the world, to our knowledge, uh, for public and private sector. And it began having to do with uh, the country from which the Secretary General at the present time uh, of the Gulf Cooperation Council uh, hails, uh, namely Kuwait. And indeed, the GCC's first Secretary General uh, was uh, from uh, Kuwait in terms of uh, Abdullah Yaqub Bishara, who held that four-year post, a three-year post, uh, four consecutive times for a total of 12 years. Uh, it has been uh, my distinct honor, privilege, and pleasure to have uh, been invited to uh, attend as an observer, uh, uh, Rasmian official observer, uh, to each and every one of the GCC's ministerial and heads of state uh, summits since the organization's founding in 1981. Um, it is the most successful of all of the Arab sub-regional attempts at uh, cooperation between and amongst uh, member countries. Uh, the only larger one uh, on the same principle, but also older, is the League of Arab States in Cairo, which represents 22 uh, in separate and independent uh, Arab uh, entities. And we want the listeners and the viewers who are generalists but not specialists to not confuse uh, Arabs with Islam or Islam with Arabs. Yes, indeed, uh, overwhelming uh, millions, uh, hundreds of millions of uh, Muslims are Arabs. Uh, but the majority of uh, Muslims are not uh, uh, Arabs. They come from uh, countries like Pakistan and Indonesia, and even um, in India, um, uh, more than uh, 100 uh, million Muslims there. And uh, 100 million Muslims in India is greater than the entire population of the six GCC countries that uh, His Excellency uh, Naif uh, al Hadroff uh, will be uh, addressing. Uh, this particular experiment in regional cooperation uh, gets mixed reviews in the Western media and perhaps Eastern as well, especially since the so-called rift uh, of the last uh, several years uh, between uh, three of the uh, GCC countries uh, and a fourth one, uh, namely Qatar. Uh, but Kuwait is not part of that. Now there is Oman part of that. Uh, but because people have looked at it from a geopolitical perspective, uh, this has been misleading in terms of what the GCC is, has been, was, and is uh, continuing to be to this very moment. Um, the number of standing councils uh, within the GCC that are tasked at a ministerial level uh, to further the pace, the progress, the nature, the extent of modernization and development uh, across the board among all six GCC countries to enhance their cooperation and their coordination. 
uh, his, his excellency uh, comes to this task uh, ideally situated and suited uh, for this kind of task of the GCC. And it's helpful to be uh, reminding that during the Cold War, which pitted much of the West against the Soviet Union and uh, China as well, uh, the United Nations did not cease its activities either at the utmost uh, level of the Security Council or the General Assembly or its standing uh, subunits and agencies and authorities. And so uh, the Secretary General is the number one person of the six GC countries uh, to manage these kinds of dynamics. And uh, what uh, better uh, preparation, education and training uh, for uh, such a position uh, uh, can one hope to possibly emulate or imagine. Uh, in Western terms, he would be uh, part of what some derisively uh, refer to as the deep state. That is to say, that body of unknown, often underappreciated uh, element of a society that is engaged in civil service. And uh, this individual has been the former um, Minister of Finance in Kuwait, and prior to that as well, the Minister of Education and the Minister of Higher Education, as well as the chairman or a director or prominent uh, member of numerous uh, Kuwaiti um, management and governing uh, bodies. And when one mentions how ideally situated His Excellency is for this position, uh, one needs to take note of what some people may think are typographical errors. Can one imagine that Kuwait was engaged in foreign economic assistance seven years before it became fully nationally sovereign, politically independent, and territorial intact? These are the three criteria for membership and entry into the United Nations. Uh, Kuwait has throughout this long period and that began in the mid-1950s. It obtained its independence in 1961, and its elections national from then to the present, beginning in 1963, with its constitution, which is the oldest of the six <coughs> GCC countries by far. Uh, Kuwait has been number one in the world uh, with regard to charity and philanthropy as a percentage of its annual gross national domestic uh, product with regard to its goods and services, as well as its investments. And no other country of the 193 members of the United Nations uh, can boast anywhere near an, a record of accomplishments such as that. And beyond that as a percentage of a country's GDP, GDP, GNP, uh, Kuwaitis are the world's most generous people in terms of income per capita. Uh, people are unaware of that. The United States has a self-image that it's number one in this regard. No, the United States is down, uh, the last time I checked around, number 17 of the world. Kuwait uh, remains in the top echelon, always either number one 
number two, number less than number three in these categories. Uh, his Excellency uh, received his undergraduate education at Kuwait University, uh, his uh, master's at uh, uh, Urbana, uh, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and his doctoral uh, PhD at the uh, University of Hull in the uh, United Kingdom. As an academic side, uh, and an empirical as well as practical and theoretical dimension to the man's education background and training. And that is, uh, he taught for seven years at the Arab Gulf University as a professor of science and uh, technology. Uh, these kinds of activities uh, reflect a person in whom those who have appointed him to these positions as an individual of great character, accomplishment, achievement, and trust, especially trust. Uh, and given Kuwait's situation in an often troubled uh, neighborhood and being smaller than uh, most of its neighbors, uh, it has survived in large measure because of good people of good standing uh, who have merited the trust of those who have appointed him. Uh, we're pleased and honored uh, to have His Excellency the Secretary General uh, Naif Al-Hadrat, Dr. Naif Al-Hadrat, <coughs> to be with us this morning <coughs> and speak on behalf of the Gulf Cooperation Council of Bahrain, <coughs> Kuwait, uh, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Today also, by the way, is Oban's National Day, and we wanted uh, people to be aware of that. And the passing uh, a year ago, almost, just less than a year ago of His Majesty Sultan Qaboos, uh, bin uh, Said bin Tamar al-Busaid, a lawyer. Uh, Your Excellency, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, uh, John. And I'm very pleased to be uh, among the speakers for today's uh, sessions. And uh, before I start, I just would like to pay a tribute to uh, two um, pillars of the GCC who we missed uh, during the 2020. Uh, in January, we um, the, the, the late Sultan of Oman, Sultan Qaboos, and last month, uh, the late Emir of Kuwait, Sheikh Sabah, both of whom were, were um, let's say, the articulated engineers behind the establishment of the GC, among with the late head of states who uh, gathered in 1981 to sign the establishment of the GC, in which today we are marking the fourth decade and just about to embark on the fifth decade of the GC journey. <clears throat> um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, good evening from the GC Secretariat in Riyadh, and I guess it is good morning, uh, Washington time. Um, let me start by thanking Dr. John Duke Anthony and the National Council and U.S. Arab Relation for organizing this, this conference virtually this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It gives me great pleasure to speak for the first time 
at the 29th Arab-US Policymaker Conference in light of 2020, a year which we all will remember for so many years to come and probably for so many reasons. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> from Riyadh, where the G20 summit is only a few days away, in which the world is witnessing the effort Saudi Arabia has displayed during its G20 presidency, reflecting its visionary leadership in light of COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. To Washington DC, where the world is still waiting for the elections dust to settle and for the constitutional procedures to begin in a preparation for January 20th 2021. Despite the distance, the relation between the US and the Arab world is historical, and it should be driven by mutual interests for both sides. Although it has its ups and downs, we are always looking for a relation built on a trust, respect, and serving our mutual interests. As the GCC Secretary General, I would like to take the opportunity today to emphasize on three main points. One, the GCC over the last four decades. Two, the fifth decade challenges. And three, the GCC-US relations. Then I will conclude by a friendly message to the new incoming administration to the White House. First, the GCC over the last 40 years. In May 25th of 1981, the GCC was established by its six member states, UAE, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Qatar, and Kuwait, forming a cooperation framework to address the mutual and regional security and prosperity, and to enhance the brotherly relation between the member states and its people. Over the last 40 years, the GCC has shown a great ability to deal with challenges and threats, as well as maintaining a stabilizer role in the region and the world security and stability from the Iraq-Iran war to the invasion of Kuwait, from the, the Afghan war to the what's called, called the Arab Spring, the longest standing Palestine-Israel conflict, the aftermath of 9-11. Despite all these challenges and more, the GCC remains resilient and maintains its constructive role within the international community for maximum cooperation and an advocate for peace, dialogue, and prosperity. Over the last 40 years, the GCC contributed greatly to the world economy, not only by maintaining undisrupted supply of energy, but also by stabilizing the world energy market. Over the last 40 years, the GCC's Sovereign Wealth Fund 
demonstrate a stable investment policy in the global capital markets and they play an important role in the world economy. Over the last 40 years, the GCC countries launched a massive development plans focusing on human capital as well as major infrastructure development and a transformation journey that is next to none. Over the last 40 years, the GCC fulfilled its commitment within the international community to combat terrorism and extremism ideology, fight poverty, helping countries in need, and became a voice of integration and harmony. As a result, the GCC countries are well positioned in global development indices, a well-deserved positions leading to Saudi Arabia presidency of G20, Dubai and UAE to host Expo 2020, and Qatar to host FIFA World Cup in 2022. All of which are an international events and all of which are hosted by a GCC member state. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, my second point today is the GCC fifth decade challenges. Security and stability in the region would remain a top priority to protect our interests first and foremost. So we can continue building on what we have achieved over the last 40 years. Everyone knows that the world after COVID-19 will be totally different than the world before. The biggest challenge will be the economic consequences of the pandemic. We have seen the world economy shrinking, the supply chain disrupted, the employment rate climbing, small and medium enterprises badly affected, the world economy growth swinging, yet the global economy outlook remains uncertain. It is the greatest economic challenge we are all facing that requires collective effort to address and a great deal of cooperation to mitigate. Yesterday, for example, China signed a huge Asian Pacific trade deal with 14 countries, representing about 30% of the world population, with a combined GDP total roughly 26 trillion US dollar, accounted for nearly 28% of a global trade that based on 2019 data. Although the negotiation lasted for more than 10 years to be finalized, it is an example of how the world will act to meet the post-COVID-19 era challenges. And we might see a similar deal to come. For the GCC, we will continue to diversify the economy to meet the COVID-19 urgent financial needs and to follow up on the implementations of stimulus programs for the most affected sector. At the same time, 
We are working to strengthen our economic cooperation throughout a number of FTAs with other countries, an effort which is very much needed to enhance and serve our mutual interest. Having said that, we should not undermine the prerequisites for artificial intelligence, the fourth industrial revolutions, and the renewable energy while meeting our development plans objectives. For the next 10 years, which will mark the fifth decade of the GCC, many national development plans within the GCC member states will be ongoing, i.e. Vision 2030 of Saudi Arabia, Vision 2035 of Kuwait, just to name a few. A common objective will be seen as the roadmap for the fifth decade, highlighting economy integration, human capital development, and maintaining our collective security and prosperity. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> my third point today is related to this conference title, the next US presidency implication for the US-Arab relationship. I cannot agree more with the organizer who did so by choosing this title. As we are looking for the next weeks to understand the direction of the new administration policy regarding the Arab world as well as the greater Middle East region. President-elect Joe Biden is a statement who knows the international policy as well as who articulate some of its objectives and dimensions. The GCC and since its establishment dealt with six US presidents to date, both Republicans and Democratic. Based on a long-standing trusted relation and mutual understanding, both GCC and US worked closely, either bilaterally or multilaterally to enhance the existing cooperation. Such work was reflected by the participations and attendance of two US presidents at the GCC summit. President Obama in May 2015 at Camp David and April 2016 in Riyadh and President Trump in May 2017 in Riyadh. The US-GCC relation is based on mutual trust, mutual understanding, and mutual objectives to maintain peace and prosperity in the region and globally. Respecting the international law, the UN chart, and engaging constructively with the international community is the key factors for such a relation. The region and its people have enough crisis from Iraq to Syria, from Yemen to Lebanon. At the same time, we have seen some regional countries interference in the internal affairs of the GCC and Arab countries, which represent a direct threat to the regional stability and security. Based on that, 
We are looking forward to work with the new administration, hoping to stabilize the region by de-escalate the tensions and to focus on the following. One, the Palestine-Israel long-standing conflict, which required the full implementation of the UN resolutions, especially the two-state solutions and the Arab Peace Initiative, with East Jerusalem as the Palestine state capital. Two, the Iran nuclear deal, known as JCPOA of 2015, in which the president-elect stated that he would rejoin it. We hope that any new regional security articulate should take in consideration the interest of all in order to meet the desired stability in the region. Three, the collective opportunities within the region to enhance the world economy, to develop a strategic economic agenda for the region to meet the youth demand for better life and better future for all. Four, and finally, COVID-19 has shown us how fragile we are if we decided to work alone. However, history has shown us how, how powerful we became if we decided to work together. So let's work together for a better world. To conclude, I would like to take the opportunity of today's conference to emphasize on the role the US is playing as the core of the world security and stability. It is a role no other country can fulfill yet. We're not another schedule. I have to mix a couple of them Yet, it is a role that requires a strategic partners and alliance. Withdrawing from the region will create a state of mistrust and will destabilize the region and the world. So my friendly message to the new administration at the White House is simple and straightforward. Let's capitalize on our mutual interests. Let's work together for the security and prosperity for the region and beyond. And let's give people in conflict zones a hope for a better tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Your Excellency. This is a superb introduction to the annual Arab-US Policymakers Conference. We couldn't have asked for a more authentic uh, presentation or presenter uh, of the issues, of the challenges, of each other's needs, each other's concerns, each other's interests, each other's analyses, each other's assessments, and each other's goals and objectives. Um, one could not go to a more authentic source and resource uh, to ask these kinds of questions and to examine uh, the responses, the replies, the answers, uh, there are no uh, easy answers, and in some cases, no answers that are anything less than difficult and keep people awake at night. Uh, we try to have 
policymakers think of the W questions. Who needs to do this? Why does it need to be done? When does it need to be done? Where will we be if we do it? Where will we be if we don't do it? And sometimes even whether something needs to be done, if it's not broken, <laughs> wisdom says don't try to, to fix it as such. But the greater questions are those that start with an H, how? You cannot answer a how question, yes or no. And for policymakers, the effort to try to come up with a, an intelligent, uh, insightful, knowledgeable, understanding, informed uh, opinion and analysis. This is priceless. Um, we went to the top to try to get the highest GCC institutional representative to address these how questions and the W questions at the same time. And uh, that you have set forth your needs, your interests, your priorities, your goals and objectives. We couldn't have asked for more, sir. Thank you. And God bless you in your assignment and role. And in the forthcoming uh, annual uh, ministerial and heads of state summit. Uh, my personal regard, those of the National Council on U.S. Arab Relations, please. To you, to your staff, to your colleagues, uh, both in Riyadh as well as in Kuwait. And we certainly miss the passing of your great uh, former head of state, uh, Sheikh Sabah al-Ahmed al-Sabah, Allah Yehru. Uh, he was more than a statesman. Uh, he was the chairman of all the world's foreign ministers for not a few months or a few years, but for decades. We've lost a giant, uh, but with people like you to carry on fidel or in the shadows, so to speak, uh, working to make things possible, uh, one could not ask for more in that regard as well. So a renewed awareness of your position, your role, your responsibilities, and our appreciation for the wisdom of those who selected you based on your character, your education, your training, your experience, and above all, your trust. Thank you, Your Excellency, and all the best to you and your colleagues. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you very much.